0: Paul has described how the church is a place where people are brought together from every tribe, every race, of every age, all people being brought together under Christ. So how can we participate in this work? How can we be a church and part of a universal church that transforms people's lives, transforms communities? I think there are two clues in this passage in Ephesians 4, centered on two words. The first word is the word one, and the second word is the word each. And the first thing, I think, is that we need to be united. We need to be one. And then the second thing is that we each need to find a role. But first of all, we need to be united. Why do we need to be united? I suppose we need to be united because that's actually how we were designed to be. During my gap year, I worked for a while in a secondary school in New Zealand, and I was only 18, and the pupils were not that much younger than me, and most of them were kind of big rugby-playing New Zealanders and much bigger than me. And so I'd tell them things like, oh, no, you must, must work, and they'd say, why? And I'd think, oh, good point, I don't really know, and you're bigger than me um please oh no and the lessons often resembled a minor riot and so i gave that up for a bit but then again a few years later i tried teaching in a, in a very little secondary uh, very little primary school um christian primary school i was supposed to be teaching theology to these very small children and they were very sweet and well behaved but i just couldn't work out they were asking really strange questions i just finished my degree in theology and they were asking me questions like should i underline the title I don't know, do whatever you want. Should I use a pencil or a pen? Uh, Whichever you want. I I just didn't really understand what was going on, and I had to resign. But it made me realize, the reason I resigned was I realized it wasn't quite me. I wasn't really made to be a teacher. There are bits that I liked, but I wasn't made to be a teacher. And when you find a thing that you're made to be, it's energizing, it's exciting. It's productive. But when you're not living or doing what you were made to do and to be, it's draining, it's unproductive, it's frustrating. And the church was made to be united. That's how it was designed. In verse three, Paul says, there is one body and one spirit. Um, And then verse 5, one faith, one baptism. That's how the church was designed to be. It was designed to be one. And then it works best when it is one. I don't think it's any coincidence that at the beginning of Acts 2, when the Spirit comes at Pentecost, it says at the beginning, they were all together in one place. They were together, and then the Spirit came When we're divided, we become paralysed, focused on the wrong issues, distracted and unproductive. But when we're united, everything becomes possible. The other reason I think we need to be united is that our unity as a church is a reflection of God's unity. Paul says, there is one body, just as there is one God and Father of all. The church is somehow supposed to be a reflection Of God's nature we are what the world sees of God so if we're divided we're telling the world that there's a divided God but when we're one we're showing something of the love and unity of God himself and there's a huge power in unity when Jesus prayed for his disciples in John 17 just before Jesus went to die his final prayer for his disciples was that they would be completely united in order that the world might know that God had sent him. Unity convinces people. Disunity discredits our message. And no one wants to join a divided community. But a united community is incredibly attractive. So how can we grow in this unity? Paul says, in order to be united, we need to be humble. Which I suppose just means considering other people first, considering other people more important than ourselves. It means considering their needs, their concerns, their worries above ours. Humility means looking to serve other people in the community, in the body, rather than just seeking to be served. Paul says we also need to be gentle. We need to be considerate of other people, sensitive, gentle with each other, sensitive about other people's beliefs or practices or concerns. We also need to be patient, Paul says, not rushing ahead or Uh, Just trying to do our own thing. We need to wait for each other, explain what's going on, trusting that if we submit to one another, God will honor that. But most of all, Paul says, he says, make every effort. Unity, being united, requires effort. It takes more effort to include people, to listen to people to look to learn from each other. And it takes a few risks. And actually, some of the times in my life when I've decided to kind of move to and investigate parts of the church which aren't my normal background, it's been incredibly valuable to me. I now spend a week or two of every year in a little Benedictine monastery in the south of France. And it couldn't be more different from what I'm used to. And yet there's a faith there, and there's a community there, and there's a love there that I learned so much from. And it's in the south of France, and the weather's beautiful, so it works really well. (laughs) And I think one of the key things for unity is that we recognize each other as one body. We acknowledge each other. And this means acknowledging the other churches around us as part of one body. It means we don't compete with the other churches around us. We don't publicly criticize the other churches around us. If we have a problem with someone or with another church, we say it to them face to face. We don't compare, but instead we love one another and we seek to work together, appreciating difference and diversity, but recognizing we're one body and we're in this together. So that's the first thing. We need to be united, we need to be one. The second thing I think we need to be as a church is a church in which everyone plays their part. I play um, quite a lot of squash. I'm not very good, but I play quite a lot. And I really enjoy it, and I think it's a brilliant game. Um, But has anyone here ever watched squash on television? A a couple of people. Um, Anyone been to a squash match, an international squash match, or a... I mean, it's, it's not really a spectator sport. It's a rubbish spectator sport, to be honest. It's just not that interesting. It's quite hard to see what's going on, and it just doesn't look very much fun. Whereas there are other sports that are a lot of fun to watch, but probably not as much fun to participate in, like boxing. <laughs> but the church, being a member of the church, is more like squash than boxing. It's a participatory sport, not a spectator sport. Paul says, Paul um, moves from a language of one in the first half of um, chapter four, to a language of each, every person doing their role. In verse seven, he says, but to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Now, what does Paul mean by grace here? Well, if you turn back a page in in chapter three, verse seven, Paul says, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the work of his power. Though I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ. In other words, grace seems to be like a kind of a calling, an invitation to get involved. It's God's grace that he lets us play. He lets us join in his work. And so I think it's important as a church that we all find our role. Alan was praying for some of the things that we need as a church. and There are so many opportunities in this church to get involved and to do something in this community. And this, I think, means appreciating difference because everyone will have a different role. Paul talks about there are some who are kind of apostles, some evangelists, some prophets, some pastors and teachers. There are different sorts of roles within the church. I mean, loosely, uh, it is not exactly clear what these roles might be. Evangelists, normally those who are mainly focused on those outside the church, who love the people outside the church and want to draw them in to the fellowship. Prophets, those who love the truth, we're always keen that we're online and we're speaking truth. And, and pastors and teachers, those who want to care for those who are in this body, in this community, want to nurture them and to develop them. And we need to appreciate that these the people have different callings, different gifts, and that these gifts and callings are not for our own fulfillment. They're not to make us feel good or important. But rather, they're for God's glory. They're for building up his church so that they can work and function to fulfill God's purposes. And it's a wonderful thing, sort of being involved in a church like this, to see the number of people who are just willing to help out, to put out chairs, uh, to give out Bibles, to have roles that are vital to have humble roles, not necessarily wanting to kind of visible and um, kind of exciting roles, but just want to help out in some way. And that's an amazing thing. So I encourage everyone to sign up for things, get involved. There's the fair on the green coming. There are so many ways that people can get involved. And I think if we do these things, if we're united, and if everyone plays their part, actually, everything becomes possible suddenly for the church. Because as Paul says, then he is able, God is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or even imagine. Shall we pray? Father, thank you for the gift of the church. This community of people that you have called together with a purpose for this world. And I pray that you would unite us, bind us together. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us, each one of us, to find out how we can be involved in your plans for the transformation of the world, to bring all things under your Son, Jesus Christ.